Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. Hey podcasters, this is Adam Russell. I'm the pastor here at the Vineyard and we have a special announcement for you this week. On October the 9th, we will be celebrating 20 years as a church. And to do so, we're going to have one big celebration gathering at Campbellsville University at 10.30 a.m. in the Student Athletic Center. So if you have ever been a part of the Vineyard, uh, we would love to have you here. If this has ever been your home church, if this has ever been where you were spiritually fed and had friends, we would love for you to be a part of this. Even if you live halfway across the country, we'd love for you to be here. So October the 9th. 10.30 a.m., one big celebration at Campbellsville University. We're going to have food trucks following so we can have lunch together. Should be a really great time. I hope you can come. All right, now on to this week's message. Hey, guys, good morning. All right, hey, there we go. Now it works. Good deal. Uh, happy Sunday. Welcome to the Vineyard. Glad you're here. My name is Adam. I'm the pastor at the Vineyard, and um, good to see you. Everybody good? Yeah, good, good, good. Hey, we're going to start a new series here at the Vineyard this morning. We're going to do three weeks in a new series, and it is called Listen and Obey. Listen and Obey. And uh, I want to say right off the bat that I realized that I should have called it anything else, because this is pretty much the worst title for a series that I could have picked. Right? I mean, I mean it has the words listen, and it has the word obey in it. Yeah, right in the title. I mean, it's kind of like when you see the words vegan and sugar-free on the package of some snack, right? There's no way that could be good. I mean, I'm, I, really, I'm not trying to, to offend vegans. But seriously, animals are delicious. Just <laughs> have to put that out there. Filter. Anyway, the words listen and obey are pretty much spiritual health food. Let's just be honest, right? They are. They challenge us right up front. Uh, They do confront all of our modern notions of life, and they push against the American notion of radical individualism Uh, After all, we've been conditioned from the earliest ages to believe that the good life equates to the life where I do whatever the heck I want to do whenever I want to do it. But we see another theme that is in the Bible. We see another theme. And the theme that we see is this, that what makes for a good American life is not the same thing as what it makes for a good life in the kingdom of God. So, in a world that is completely addicted to speaking, right? We, we, love, to, we love to talk. And, and it's good, right? It really is. I'm not the guy yelling, get off my lawn. But in a world that is really addicted to speaking, like where we have to post every single thing on social media, every opinion, you know? It doesn't matter. Like, I need the world to know that I have an opinion about everything. In a world that's addicted 
to this kind of speaking in a world where technology has given everyone, literally everyone, a voice. And I actually think in some ways that's a really good thing. But at the same time, in that kind of a world, we desperately need to listen. And in a world that's radically individualistic, where people live and mostly do what the heck they want, we desperately need to learn how to obey. And here's the good news. I'll give you a bit of good news right up front. The good news is that when it comes to listening and when it comes to obeying, what we're talking about for the next three weeks is we're talking about listening to Jesus and obeying Jesus. We're not necessarily talking about just listening to Pastor Adam or obeying Pastor Adam. If you listen and obey me exclusively, you will ruin your life. I'll just tell you that right up front. This is, this is the paradox of being a preacher and you guys mostly coming here and seeing me and listening to me on a Sunday. It's the paradox. It's the tension that we live in. But the good news for this series is what I'm really trying to highlight is this. You and I, we need to listen to Jesus and we need to obey Jesus. And here's the reason it's good. It's good because Jesus is not Hitler and he's not Genghis Khan. And he's not even Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or anybody else that we think is successful and smart. He's actually way better than all of those guys because Jesus' heart toward us is good. He's working all things for our good. Jesus isn't the leader of God's kingdom because he's played his cards just right and he's asserted his power in such a way that forces people to give him their allegiance. That's how, wor- that's how worldly power works, by the way. You realize that, right? You, 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 you exchange some bit of freedom or some bit of promise in order to accept some kind of a leadership. But Jesus is a different guy altogether. He's not forcing people to do things. In fact, you can read the Gospels, and one of the things you'll never see is Jesus making anyone do anything. Jesus invites. And then beyond that, Jesus doesn't coerce people, Jesus lays his life down for people. Jesus serves. He doesn't force you to serve him, he serves. Jesus gives, he cares, and he loves. And will we all eventually, hopefully, grow up to be the kind of people who do serve? Well, yeah, of course. But here's the thing. The God that we're following is really good. So when it comes to listening and obeying, the good news this morning is that Jesus is a servant. First of all, he said, I didn't come to get served, but I came to serve. That wins my heart. Jesus didn't kill anybody. Jesus got killed. That wins my heart. And then when he came back from the dead, he didn't come with a gun. This is you know, my favorite thing to talk about this year. He didn't come back from the dead and say, well, you know what? Now you're going to get it. You guys killed me and now you're going to get it. That's how every other worldly power would operate. If you were to kill them and you raised some bad guy from the dead that got killed, he would come back and he would shoot everyone. Jesus is not that way. We killed him. He came back and said the first words of the kingdom, peace to you. Amazing. I can trust that guy. This is why listening and obeying Jesus is good news. Now, this doesn't mean that Jesus won't say some challenging things, and it doesn't mean that he won't lead us down some challenging paths. But it does mean this, that no matter what, we can trust him because Jesus is the only guy in the universe who isn't looking to extract the strength and power and pleasure out of our lives for his own benefit. That's not who who he is. He's looking to give it. Now, um, many of you know that last fall, while I was hunting in Montana, I accidentally got profoundly lost on the very first (laughs) afternoon that I was in Montana. It got late, and the sun set really quickly. 
And when you're in tall woods, it gets really dark really quickly. Suddenly, I was completely alone in the dark. And part of the process at one point was that I began to yell as loud as I could. I began to yell for Ray and for John. Ray! John! I mean, like, loud as I could yell. And in that moment, I was very, very interested in listening and obeying. I yelled as loud as I could, and when I finished yelling, I got as quiet as I could. I even tried to hold, at one point, I even tried to hold my neck veins so that I didn't hear the blood inside of my eardrums, because I was trying to listen. It's funny how being really lost focuses one's attention onto that which is most important. It's also funny how being lost and knowing that you're lost sharpens your desire to listen and obey. I think that's one of the primary roots that anchors the disciple's life. It's an awareness for you and I that without the voice of God in our lives, we're really lost. And here's the thing. You never grow up from that. You never grow up from that. Christian maturity means a lot of things. I believe in Christian maturity. I believe in Christian process. But what it never means is this. It never means we get past needing to hear God and do what he says. We just never get past that. In fact, this is a natural part of being God's children. One of the most consistent themes through the New Testament is the idea that God's kingdom is a family. The, The New Testament is baptized in family language. Uh, The Gospel of John, over and over again, has Jesus talking in familial language. Even in the first first 18 verses, we get this idea that all who would believe in him, he gave the right to be called children or God, sons and daughters of God. Jesus is over and over saying that God is my father. Paul calls Timothy his own son. Paul also says that that the church is the household of God. So the entire New Testament is baptized in this idea that the kingdom of God is a family and that Jesus reinforces it with the idea that God is his father and that we are somehow by faith his children. And a lot of times this is what we do when we start talking about the kingdom of God as a family or that I'm God's son or I'm God's daughter or that we're children of God. We sort of do the math like this. And it's not entirely inaccurate. It is true. But we do the math like this. Well, I'm a child of God, and he's my daddy, and he just loves me no matter what. And can I tell you something? That's true. He is your daddy, and he does love you no matter what. You can never escape the love of God, even if you become a terrible person. In fact, this has become a little practice around my house. I've been... This has been a new thing. About In the last month, I've been hugging my kids... And it embarrasses them, but it's kind of fun. I've been hugging my kids, and I say, hey, you know I love you, right? And they're, they're yes, Dad, we, we know you love you. And I tell them, even if you become an axe murderer, I will still love you. I will visit you in prison, and I'll never get up, give up on you, right? And that's how God is. When you become God's kid, he never gives up on you. And you can become a terrible person, and he will not give up on you. Now, that doesn't mean that he is giving his seal of approval to you becoming a terrible person, but he will still never give up on you. This is a great comfort. Nothing, nothing that you do can, uh, can win his approval. He just already approves of you. He just loves you. He, he's, it's freely accepted, right? That's part of what it means to be a child of God. And sometimes we just stop right there. But you can't stop right there. Or sometimes we, we do the math like this. Well, I'm God's kid, so what this means is that God's going to take care of me, right? 
like I'm learning to trust God. I'm, I'm, I'm doing childlike faith, right? You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and God is in charge of my life, and I'm believing that he's going to take care of me. And that is true. God is going to take care of his kids. And sometimes that doesn't happen in the ways that we thought it was going to happen, but he does take care of his kids. And sometimes we just do the math like that, and we stop, right? In fact, most people that I know who talk about being a child of God just do the first two things, and they never do the third thing that we're going to talk about right here. If you're a son and a daughter, that presupposes that you have a mama or a daddy. And what do mamas and daddies do? They tell you what to do. They instruct your life. So here's what I want to add to this conversation of child of God this morning. This is a huge part right here. It's Jesus. This is the big part of being a child of God. I'm not saying it's the biggest part of being a child of God, but I'm saying it's at least third place, and it might be second. It might even be first place. I don't know. We'll just discover that together. But a huge part of what it means to be a child of God is that he's my dad. He knows best. I don't know hardly anything, and I need to listen to him and do what he says. Some of us have done the math like, well, I'm a child of God, so I'm just going to be like, XYZ. Well, here's what it really means, I believe, for us going forward to be children of God. It means that we don't know what's best all the time and that we need to listen to him and actually do what he says. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's good sense. Whew. Preaching already. Here's a couple things before we even read the scripture this morning. A couple extra thoughts. Um, being a child of God presupposes that we can hear him like we just have to understand that when you when when we say that i find my identity as being a child of god what we're also saying simultaneously whether we realize it or not is this we're saying that we have access to the voice of god it's impossible to be a child who doesn't hear their parent that's just not how it works we can hear him we have access to his voice and his instruction Uh, he's interested Uh, he's active and he's willing and he's speaking god is not an, an absent father and he's not aloof or emotionally distant. Now, here's the thing. If we're not hearing him, and if we're not experiencing his guidance, I can say this with, with concrete assurance. Something's up. Something's up. If we are not experiencing his guidance, maybe it's that I'm not listening. Or maybe it's this. Maybe it's that I only have selective hearing. Anybody here have selective hearing? Yeah, um... Maybe we've trained ourselves to only hear what we want to hear, you know? You ever seen that kid zone out in front of a TV while he's playing a video game? Like, you can walk in, the kid's playing the video game, you're like, hello, there's no response. Uh, The house is on fire, there's no response. Time to do your homework, there's no response. Uh, Time to go to Baskin Robbins, uh, shoes on, standing at the door, right? (laughs) It's weird. It's kind of the way it goes. I'm not saying that happens at my house, I'm just saying it happens. Or, or, and I think this happens a lot of times, like especially in churches like ours. Um, it's a version of selective hearing. M- maybe we're just listening in one way. Maybe we've just learned to listen to God in one way. Like, for instance, like prophetic guidance. Like, maybe God it can guide us, but only if we get a prophetic word. Or a dream. Like, if we get a dream... Or maybe, maybe we've learned to listen just if we get some kind of like special circumstance. Like three freaky things in a row have to happen. And they have to be confirmed by a Stephen Clark dream. I, and see, here's the thing. I believe in all those things. 
uh, not only do I believe in them, but I pray for them. Yeah, I've got a little thing in my, in my, in my little phone. It's an alarm that goes off once a week, and it says, pray for prophetic revelation. It happens on Tuesday afternoons, and I do. I literally, it, it happens at about 1, well, not 1. It happens at about 2.15. It goes off, and I go, God, I need uh, prophetic dreams and uh, prophetic words and people to tell me what's going on, and I need to hear from you in a unique and special way. I pray for that every week. However, if we only teach ourselves to listen to God in that way, we're mostly not going to hear him. Here's the good news. More good news, by the way. The good news is that his words are always, always, always available to us in the Bible. Yeah. All right, I want to read some scripture to you this morning. This is out of uh, Matthew chapter 7. Listen to what Jesus says here. He says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey is foolish. Like a person who builds his house on sand. And when the rains and the floods come and the wind beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Hope you notice here as well that the um, context of this little scripture that we read is Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus has just done a great deal of teaching on how to live in the best way possible. That'd be Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And here's the thing, the more in my Christian life that I have read the Sermon on the Mount and the more that I've tried it, the more that I realize it's really challenging. We think that's baby stuff, dude, it's like PhD. But here's the good news, it's possible. It is actually possible. And, 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 and here, right up front, there, there's more good news for us this morning. Even if we're not hearing something from God in a particularly prophetic or personal, subjective way, we can always return to the Bible, but especially the Gospels, and get a fresh word from Jesus. That's, that's where the fresh word is always at. Uh, and, in fact, this year, Heather and I are learning a particular portion of the Sermon on the Mount all over again. This year has been another moment where we've gotten to learn this one particular teaching from Jesus that comes out of the Sermon on the Mount, and it has been a bloody nightmare. (laughs) It's been so difficult. It has been so difficult. But Jesus says it, and we're trying to listen, and we're trying to obey him, and we're maybe like 60% of the way there. But I'm determined that I'm going to listen to Jesus more than my emotions. Right? I'm determined. In fact, Jesus has given me relatively almost no prophetic guidance. I've had one prophetic dream that's come to me this year through somebody that was really prophetic and really good. He has almost not spoken to me in any other way other than Matthew. I won't tell you which chapter. Other than Matthew, and I know this is the word of God for me, and until I learn it, I don't think I'm going to get anything else. And until I do it, but I am determined I'm going to listen to what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, and then this one particular thing, I'm going to do it, even if I totally freaking hate it in the moment, and I have, and I'm learning to get through it, but I'm learning to love it, and I'm learning to do it because I know that Jesus is better than my emotions are telling me that he is. Right? Yeah. This is why we need regular contact with the scriptures. 
This is what I found anyway. I found that when I lose contact with the Bible, I slowly lose contact with the words that I need for life. We don't have to live even one single minute without a word from God. Nobody has to live one single minute without a word from God. All you have to do is open up your Bible. If you don't know where to start, let me tell you. Any gospel. Open up the God. The whole Bible is good, but the gospels are like creme de la creme. <coughs> let me give you this image. Uh, how many of you know that the Rocky Mountains a high mountain range, right? How many of you know that there's some peaks that come out a little higher than others? I think that's how the Bible works too. I think there's some peaks in the Bible. Dr. John read one of them or quoted one of them this morning. Galatians 2.20. Anybody need a life verse? There's one. That's a good one. That's a peak. It comes out above the cloud lines and it never really gets covered up. Here's another peak. All of the Gospels. Everything that Jesus says. Everything that Jesus does. Put that. We don't have to live one minute away from a word from God. Now, I want to talk to you for a moment about foundations for building, right? This is really the parable that Jesus is telling. Jesus tells this little parable. He says, well, there's this one guy, and he builds his house on the rock. And there's this other guy, and he builds his house on the sand. And when the storms of life come, the one on sand collapses while the one on the rock stands. It's actually pretty straightforward. The person who listens, by the way, this this phraseology assumes hearing again. Isn't this funny? Jesus doesn't teach people how to hear from God. He assumes that people hear from God. You can read the Gospels. He, Jesus never goes, well, guys, this is, how you get, this is how you'll hear God. I think that's very interesting. Yeah. He says the person who listens to his teaching, it's, the phraseology assumes hearing again, the person who listens and obeys is the one who has built their life on the rock. What is the rock here? The rock in Jesus' little parable is not hearing his words. It is the words of Jesus applied. That's the foundation for Christian living. Our foundation is not simply the word of God. Our foundation is not simply the words of Jesus. Our foundation is the words of Jesus that we have applied. That's different. That's different. See, the words of Jesus that we know, listen to this, the words of Jesus that we know but that we do not do are pretty much just bags of cement Still dry, unmixed, and unpoured. And some of us have great big warehouses filled with cement bags that have never been busted open and mixed with some water. Until you obey, you actually don't have any foundation. You have a lot of building materials, but no foundation. It's the application that builds our foundation. And by the way, the size and the depth of the foundation is what determines what can be built on top. I'm no builder, but I know one. And I know that that's true. The size and the depth of the foundation is what determines what can be built on top. I don't know about you, but I don't want a shack for a life with Jesus. I don't want a life with Jesus that's a shack. I don't want a life with Jesus that's a lean-to. I want a life with Jesus that's spacious and it's a beautiful cathedral. That's what I want. And that kind of life needs a big foundation and notice here that jesus's own imagery is telling us something else too if you build your house on the rock or if you pour the proper foundation the first things that you're doing are largely going to be beneath the ground unseen 
unknown and unsexy. Yeah, that's how it works. It's hidden work. Listening and obeying Jesus is largely hidden work. And here's the thing. When we begin to hear Jesus and do what he says, mm, chances are at the end of that, no one's going to give you a standing ovation. (laughs) Woo! You're a winner! Come on! It's not the way it works. My goodness, what a foundation you have. Goodness gracious. Somebody get over here with me. Look at this man. Look at this hole in the ground he's got. Look at the rebar. It's incredible. Oh my gosh, you tied it together. It's incredible. There's cement, there's rebar. It's amazing. I love it. Builders don't even do that. Like, builders get excited by power tools. They, I've never seen a builder gets excited about a foundation. They don't. No one is excited about the foundation. What is everybody excited about? Man, this place is beautiful. These cabinets are incredible. These windows. There's so much peace in this house. The sunlight comes through the south and it warms us up. Man, what a great place to have breakfast, Right? It's funny, Jesus never talks about how to build your house. He he talks exclusively on how to build your foundation. I think that's interesting. Jesus never says, here's how you have great windows in your spiritual life. No, he talks about the hidden work that's in the dirt that no one cares about, that's unsexy, and that's mostly unseen, and no one gives you a standing ovation for See... Here's what I found as well. When when you first start applying Jesus' words, you got to get through all the mud in your life. When you start prepping your foundation, you call the excavator and you move a bunch of mud. Excavator. Call the excavator. (laughs) Who's that? I don't know. But you call him. And he comes over. Would you like some excavation? (laughs) Yeah, I would. I need it. Bad. And here's what you end up doing when the excavator comes over. You turn your pretty grassy hillside of a life into a mountain of dirt. (laughs) That's what you do. So here's the thing. When you actually start obeying Jesus, the first thing you're going to do is ruin your life. The first thing that you're going to do is the beautiful grassy hillside of a life that you've constructed and have been given is going to get turned upside down and it's going to turn into a giant mud hole. That's what happens. Good news. Yes. Aren't we excited? Yeah, that's what happens when you first start obeying Jesus. When you start doing this stuff like loving your enemies, your grassy hillside of a life gets totally just... When, 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 you, start, when, you, start, uh, when you start praying and fasting and not telling anyone, yeah, yeah, you're like, your grassy hillside of a life goes... You know, it's just, it's just, it's destruction. It's just... And no one gives you a standing ovation. Can I tell you something? When you're kind to your enemies, nobody gives you a standing ovation. And when you pray in secret, no one gives you a standing ovation. And when you you give a little money to somebody and don't go tell everybody on Facebook, nobody gives you a standing ovation. You know? Building foundations. And listen and obey. That's what we're going to do. Notice also, <clears throat> notice also that in both cases, 
The storms of life do come. I hope you caught that. See, good news, church, there's no escaping the wind and the rain. You're going to get it. Everybody in here is going to get the wind and the rain. And here's the other part. Uh, Just because you obey God, it doesn't mean you'll get less wind and less rain. That's not the way it works. Theologies that say, well, if if you obey Jesus and if you live a good Christian life, there won't be any wind or rain that you'll be spared trouble are actually not true at all. It's, it's not a question of, will we experience trouble? That's not the question. The question is, will we survive trouble? That's the question. See, the evidence of listening to God and following Jesus is never an easy life. Rather, it's a faith and a life that remains after the storm. The evidence of faithfulness to Jesus is not, was life easy or apparent success, apparently successful? The, the evidence of following and listening to Jesus is resurrection. You survived. And here's the good news again this morning. Resurrection is at work way before you die. Way before you die. It's a reality that's at work long before we experience the storms of life. And we can enter into the flow, we can enter into the flow of resurrection life by listening to God and doing what he says. Listening to God and doing what he says. Amen? All right, I got a little homework for you. This week, I want you to do this. I want you to read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. All three chapters. And don't tell me that it's too much because it isn't. And then I want you to say, and then I want you to do this. I want you to ask yourself, what is God saying to me? And then finally, this is the big question. What can I obey this week? You might even want to take a screenshot of that. There we go. I see people doing that. Instagram that. Read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And ask yourself, every time you read it, maybe you should read it, maybe you should read those three chapters every single day this week. It doesn't take long. And you should ask yourself, what is God saying to me? And then what can I obey? And here's how you know what God is saying to you. When you read the scripture, because here's the thing, the scripture is alive. That's, that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that it is, it is God-breathed and has life in it, and it's active, and it's engaging. And so you might read Matthew 5, and you may not, you may not like think anything of it. It may just be like kind of like boring words on a page. But then you might get to Matthew 6, and something just kind of lands on you. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, I feel that. And, and it may not even be like, the, it may not even be painful, but it may be inspiring. Uh, one of the things that I've realized in my life, I, I always know that God is talking to me when I feel like, this is the feeling. I'm not saying this is how it works. I'm just saying this is the emotional feeling around it. When it feels like, oh, Jesus is inviting me to do that. Here's the deal. I never fast because somebody says we should fast. I, I have never done it and will not do it. I have fasted three times in my life, and it's only because Jesus asked me to do it. That is it. So when people are like, man, we all got to fast and get a breakthrough. I'm like, I'm out, dude. Y'all go for it. I'm going to Taco Bell. <laughs> but on, maybe not Taco Bell. But maybe. Because sometimes what you need is Taco Bell. Like, I'm just saying, occasionally, that's it. That's it. But, 
But on three specific times in my life, I was reading, I was reading Sermon on the Mount, and I felt like, I felt like Jesus said, why don't, you, why don't you not have anything to eat and find that I can sustain you? So I fasted. And it was terrible and great. <laughs> right, that's it. It's, it's just when you're reading and, or you're listening and you're praying and something feels alive to you. God is life. That's, that's one of the ways that you know when you're stumbling on something. God is life. When that Bible in your hands feels like it's, oh man, this feels alive to me all of a sudden. You need to stop. Like, pay attention. That's God talking to you. It's not just words on a page. That's God talking to you. This thing's alive. It's combustible. It's nuclear. You've got to watch out for it. Things happen. Amen? All right, so that's our homework this week. All right, are you on the ministry team this morning? If you are, come on up. Man, I feel caffeinated this morning. I just feel like... I feel like I have a taser inside of me right now. I don't know why. (laughs) Touch! We're going to do an old-fashioned revival meeting here in a minute. Nobody will will get healed, but we'll have fun. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, man, oh, man. Oh, man, oh, man. Is this going on to the audio archive? Probably. Probably. Mm. Okay, hey. um, Oh, man, Jesus, you're so good. Hey, do you guys feel the invitation from the Lord to, to listen for his voice and do what he says? See, I feel it in the room. Like, you can trust him. All right, why don't you stand up? We're going to pray. All right, when I'm finished praying, if you are sick in your body, we have people here who want to pray for you and are good at it. Uh, if you're not sick in your body, but you are experiencing the storms of life and you need somebody to stand with you, uh, we'd love to pray for you. If you have some other issue that needs prayer, come on up. All right, God, we love you this morning. Thanks for allowing us to be together. God, we ask that you would tune our ears to hear you. God, this week when we read your word, we ask that our heart would resonate with that part that is you inviting us. God, we also ask that you'd give us the courage and the fortitude to do what you say. Even if it's really small. God, we ask that you give us the courage to follow through this week. Because God, we want to build our foundations on bedrock. We want to dig through all of the mud. We want to dig through all the sand and we want to find the rock. And we ask this in Jesus' name, who is the best teacher. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer, come on up. Otherwise, give somebody a high five and a hug. Mass is ended. Go in peace. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.